0: Hi and welcome to another episode of the RCH Kids Health Info Podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr. Margie Danshin, pediatrician here at RCH, and I'll be your host for today, and I'm joined by my good friend Dr. Anthea Rhodes.
1: Thanks, Margie. On today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Sonia Grover, gynecologist here at the RCH. And we're going to be chatting about common gynecological conditions in young girls. Welcome, Sonia.
2: Thank you for the opportunity to be here.
0: From the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. I'm really excited about today's podcast because I think, you know, as a paediatrician, very often when we talk about gynaecological issues, many parents assume that that refers to adult women and girls that are older. But in fact, what we really want to focus on today is that these issues affect young girls and, you know, pubertal girls, adolescents. So what would you say, Sonia, are the most common gynaecological issues that present to you?
2: There are quite a few things that are very specific and very different about gynaecology, women's business, girls' business, in both young girls as well as teenagers. But if I think about Young girls, and what's the commonest thing? The commonest thing we see is what we call vulva vaginitis, but what parents are going to notice is either redness or soreness in the genital and vulval area. Now, people have got lots and lots of different names for down there, whether it's down under or genitals or. People call it vagina. The vagina is actually the hole, so it's not the vagina. It's the external skin that That's gets right. irritated, gets sore, can be itchy, can hurt when the child, the young girl, does wheeze. Um, sometimes she's they present with smelly bottoms. Sometimes they're presenting with a bit of discharge, and people people get really anxious. And so, it's it's not a major problem. I think the The thing that people need to understand is that little girls are different to adult women in terms of what their vaginas and what their skin's like down there. So, and there I've just said down there <laughs> but in their in their genital area. So often these these girls come to us having been to the GPs, having been given courses of antibiotics, have having been given anti rush cream. Thrush loves estrogen and these girls don't have estrogen because they haven't got breasts, they're not having periods um, and their skin is thin. And because the skin down in their genital area is very thin, it's very easily irritated. The skin inside the vagina is also really thin and the bacteria that live there are the same as the bacteria that live in the next door place, which is in the bowel. So people have often had swabs done And the swabs always show mixed bowel flora. Now, that's not because she's wiping the wrong direction. And I'm a very straight-talking person, but, you know... I'm not sure how you organise for your flatus, your poo smells, to go backwards because everyone says you have to wipe backwards. Well, I'm afraid you can't get your flatus that you past to go. And so, of course, the bacteria that live in the vagina... It's
1: all pretty close quarters. It's
2: very close. They're next door neighbours, so they've got the same germs in the vagina. That's not bad because the germs sit there. The problem is that the germs sitting there can irritate the thin skin and sometimes that, that will create a little bit of discharge and the discharge sits between the lips, the the labia and the skin gets irritated so Sonia, and red and what sore. So what you're
0: saying in young girls is often they'll present with um, itch or, or pain or sort of discomfort passing urine. What sort of treatment would you be talking about then? S-
2: so very simple approaches, obviously hygiene and let's make sure that she is trying to wipe the right direction. If you have moisture sitting on that skin and it's thin in the genital area and the vulva, you're going to get irritated skin. You know the nappy rash jar that's sitting, cream that's sitting still in the cupboard, put some of that on so that you're waterproofing the skin so the skin isn't being irritated by the discharge. Then next step, you're sitting in the bath and just you're making sure that she's splashing trying to change the germs that are living in the vagina. In the same way as if you and I had smelly breaths, we'd brush our teeth, we'd gargle, we'd drink a bit more fluids. We're trying to change the bugs that Mm, are living in our mouth. Now, they're not different bugs, they're the same old bugs. And in the vagina, it's the same old bugs as are sitting there last week, but this week the balance has changed, it's made it a bit smelly. So sitting in the bath, splashing towards the perineal area, trying to change the germs living there, But this is going to come and go, Mm. just like smelly breath comes and goes.
1: And while you're talking about baths there, Sonia, what about soaps? So sometimes I think parents think, oh, this is a problem where it's not hygienic enough or maybe we're not cleaning the area enough.
2: So we do need to be careful with soaps. The genital skin is very sensitive skin, so therefore I'd be saying avoid lots of soaps. You can actually make things worse by putting on lots of soap. You don't need thrush cream. You need a barrier cream. You need the baths. Yep. Um, and it's going to come and go.
0: But one particular symptom that can be very troublesome is itch. Uh, yeah. what, what would you say about that? So
2: two things about itches. One is if the child's got eczema elsewhere, well, then once you've got irritated skin, this might be simple, boring old eczema also affecting the vulva area. Um, but there is another skin condition that uh, can affect just the vulval area. It's got a fancy name called lichen sclerosis. But this makes the skin often have a pale appearance and you often get splitting of the skin um, and it can be quite sore. And it's in that setting where the itch just does not settle down. Somebody needs to look and see what's going on with that skin because sometimes it's a skin condition that needs specific treatment.
0: And what sort of management, just briefly, would you do well, for that?
2: We'd be using steroid cream and we have to use it often quite intensively in the first few weeks and then we can usually back off and sometimes. You can stop altogether, and sometimes you can't, like just like asthma. Sometimes you have to treat it on an ongoing basis, and sometimes you treat the asthma and you don't have to do anything about asthma again until next year.
1: So, if something like that was happening, once perhaps a parent has a look at the skin, or certainly a healthcare professional has a look at the skin, they would know that's a bit different and it's going to need some different treatment.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Now, you know, the other thing that sometimes happens when people have a look down in the genital area that they spot that they think, oh, my God, this looks really different to my other daughter or to the cousin or someone else, and says, oh, my God, I can't see a vaginal opening. What's wrong? You know, has my daughter got something wrong with her? Uh, And... and that certainly provokes a lot of anxiety. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: something that, that I've seen in patients when people have come to see me, and we, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, Sonia, but where the labia have actually fused or come together and parents are very concerned that this looks like it's an abnormal anatomical or you know structural condition of the, the vulva or vagina and, and they really are quite panicked as to what could be going on.
2: Yeah, and sometimes they look and they say, "I can't even see where the urine's coming out." Now, this is usually a two-year-old, and she's passing urine. She's got wet nappies. She's going to the loo. You might not be able to see the hole, but you know it's it, there somewhere. It's <laughs> must be there somewhere. And sometimes it can be quite small, so the labia can stick over quite an extensive area. And we think it happens because the skin's been irritated with exactly what we've been talking about: the the vulva vaginitis problem, and the irritated skin sticks from one surface to the other. Now. It's not present at birth because Well, that's what I was gonna
0: say. It's very often <laughs> parents say, Well, hang on, it looks different now. I don't remember when I was wiping my, you know, young girl's um, perineal area when she was younger. It didn't look like that, so
2: so that's absolutely correct because when the little girls are born, they've got heaps of oestrogen on board and, you know, you probably notice yes. that they almost had little tiny breasts yeah. yes. and breast buds and that's all goes away and that marks the fact that the oestrogen is going away and then the skin gets thin and then the skin, when irritated, can stick one side to the other. Now, people have done all these fancy sorts of things um, to fix labial adhesion. So people used to, I, I used to see little girls who somebody had said, oh no, you can just pull it apart. Um, that, and it
1: that sounds painful. I'm not sure if it would be painful. Um,
2: the girls that I would see, the answer was yes, it was. And, and so I would see distressed mothers and distressed daughters. Uh, and if you do, sure, you can pull it apart and make it all look normal, but there's a really high odds that it's yeah. going to come back again. Okay. So, the question I ask, having started my training in adult land, is Did I ever see a teenager or a young woman with labial adhesions? And the answer is no, mm.
1: never. So, with time, then, this is something that's going to sort itself out, is that right? Yeah, it does. It so, does. and
0: what you're really saying is you can actually just leave it alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, GPs will often prescribe um, a steroid cream.
2: Look, you can do that, but there's still the chance—you know, fifty percent chance—it's going to come back again.
0: And it's not causing harm. It's, it's not upsetting. She's not
2: upset by it. You know, sometimes when we still see adhesions in four and five-year-olds who have been toilet trained, that sometimes you'll see, you'll hear that they're going to the loo and when they get up to wash their hands, they're losing a little bit of wee um, because it was caught behind the adhesions. And I would simply say, sit on the loo, count to five, wiggle your bum, make sure all the wee dribbles out from behind the labial adhesions and the dribbling urine will stop happening. Settle be- down. Yeah, yeah so I
1: that's think. what I guess what I was going to ask. Would there ever be a situation where that is going to become such a problem that it blocks the urine passing?
2: you can't see that I've got a few grey hairs in my head. So I've been around for a little while and I'm aware of two little girls in Victoria, all of Victoria and Tasmania in the last 25 years. Yeah, so
0: very rare. Great. Thanks, Sonia. I think that is very good for parents to hear because this is something that we commonly get asked about and really nice to hear that you can actually just leave it alone and it will sort itself out. All right. So now I think it might be nice to turn to one of the other topics that we wanted to discuss today, which is when young girls experience pain uh, in the vulval region. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: First of all, we mentioned that skin condition. And sometimes those girls, if they've got splitting of that pale skin, when they've got that lichen sclerosis, that can be painful. But there's another condition. It took us ages and ages and ages to work out what the cause was. We were seeing mothers who were bringing in their daughters who were waking at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, clutching their perineal area, genital area, in pain. And the little girls were really distressed. And it would take mums two two hours, three hours to try and calm the, the girl down. And, you know... As I said, it took me years to work this out. We wondered whether it was bladder-related, whether it was the bones. I remember doing all sorts of fancy tests when I first started seeing this problem. So I, I rung two of the mums who I'd seen relatively recently who had daughters who were five or six years of age, so old enough that the girls would be able to point very clearly to where the pain was. And within a week, I had a phone call from one of the mums, and she said, it's worms. Oh, how fascinating. It was just pinworms. And what happens is that, you know, they crawl out at night, therefore the, the nighttime waking, and they crawl around and they get lost and they crawl into the vagina. And when they crawl out on the hymen, it's exquisitely sensitive in this age group because the skin's very thin. So the trick is, I don't know what you as pediatricians would say about Worms Treat treat the worms. Treat the worms and probably treat a second time a week later. So we say treat three times. The first dose may not get to the worms that are hiding in the vagina. So you've got to give one extra dose. So once a week for three weeks. If I get that letter or the phone call, I'm very likely to ring the mum to say, look, I'm very happy to see your daughter. But in the meantime, will you please worm...
0: Yeah, Once a week for three treatment. weeks
2: because I want to hear that it's resolved by the time I see you. Um, but you've got, you know, that they, they are really distressed mums because they've been, a, you know, with a child who's been yeah. awake screaming for two hours. And
1: the wor- this sort of worm treatment you can purchase over the counter at the chemist. And I think the other advice I certainly give is treat everyone in the household because even though some, um, obviously not, not all of them are going to be girls necessarily, but there might be some boys in the household who have the worms as well but aren't experiencing these same symptoms and then the minute you clear it from the young girl it might be back because they these, share the toys exactly, don't they exactly <laughs> they share the toys they you know fingers go in mouth. the way the worms go around <laughs> is scratching the bottom and then the hands come out and whether it's something you eat or something you handle it's really quite contagious so treating adults and kids um, at least twice, if not three times, as you say, Sonia, to try and clear that from the whole household.
0: And Sonia, are there any other causes of pain, vulval pain, that we should think about?
2: Yes. So the other group is a group of girls who, it's a really mixed collection of symptoms. Sometimes they're saying it's burning, sometimes it sores, sometimes it just doesn't feel right. Sometimes it's a bubbly sensation. Sometimes it's discomfort with clothes in the genital area and, and they can be sent in to us as, you know, it's my daughter masturbating mm. because she's forever moving her clothes from the genital area. And if we have a look, the skin looks completely normal. This is not vulva vaginitis. And you look at the skin, there's nothing to see. And so what these girls have got is altered sensation. So, so, What do we mean by that and what is that? Well, if you think there are a few different conditions which are similar, think about people who've had a broken arm, they'll often tell you two or three years later they still get pain in that site. Now, why are they doing that? Well, the nerves are remembering the pain and sending the wrong messages. Adults might know about phantom limb pain where you've lost a limb but you're still telling me you've got a limb, Um, so your foot's still sore even though you, you know the foot's gone. So it's Nerves sending wrong messages, and so therefore we need to talk to the nerves and tell the nerves to shut up and stop screaming. And two thirds of these girls, the next door neighbour nerves to the bladder have also been causing problems. So two thirds of the girls we see have had urinary frequency. So they're racing to the loo the whole time. They're getting up ten times at night, um, or they and they've got burning when they're passing urine. But it's all the same thing. It's nerves sending the same messages because every time the urine's been tested, there's nothing there. And we simply use some medications that talk to those nerves to say, don't scream, don't carry on. And it's really very effective. So they're a special group of medications at a tiny dose and we often use them for a few months and the nerves forget and then we can stop using those medications.
1: I might just pick up on one thing you've mentioned there, Sonia, is the idea that there's been some sort of trauma before that might set up this, this mixed message or recurring message. And I imagine maybe parents might wonder, has something happened to their child? They might think about, you know, something like abuse of some sort or something that's actually been traumatic and created this pattern of unwanted sensation.
2: That obviously always crosses not just parents' minds, yeah. but our minds. When we looked at 50 girls here at the Children's Hospital who had these symptoms, we didn't find any who'd had unpleasant things, abuse things happen. Now, that may well be because people had been smart enough to explore that issue before the girls reached us and had picked up that those things had happened and had sent those girls through to alternative services and not through to gynecology. Yeah, they may not
1: have been the girls you were seeing, Yeah, not to say that it doesn't we happen. We
2: obviously think about it, but but we we don't always get a history of anything that's triggered it. You know, from my point of view, they've often had urinary symptoms before they've had the altered... Pain altered sensation. So, is it the bladder that's triggered the, the next door neighbour nerves to send these wrong messages?
0: All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for, Sonia, today. I think this has been a really terrific opportunity to talk through some of the common gynaecological issues that young girls and adolescent girls experience and to give parents an opportunity to think about, well, what's what's common, what's what's normal, um, what they can treat at home and perhaps when they do need to seek additional help. And as you said, you know, with uh, with the vulval pain, you know, if it is really distressing to to seek help and and don't let it go on and on for years because, you know, quite distressing to think you've got an 18-year-old that has been suffering for for a long period of time. So uh, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your knowledge with us.
2: Pleasure to be here. And it's nice to make sure people know that gynaecology actually affects little girls too. Yes, it's
1: not just grown-up ladies' business. It's everyone's business. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review. You can also find additional information about all the vulval issues we've discussed today through our Kids Health Info webpage. A link will be in the episode notes. Thanks for listening. provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.